Gunnar Syverson was murdered on August 22nd, 2020, and this is his mother's story. Mourning the Murdered is a podcast I created because in 1999, a friend of mine was murdered. My name is Kelly, and I am your host. I saw the effects that murder have on family members, and I wanted to give a voice to the loved ones of murdered victims. Every week, I interview the family member of a murder victim. So please be sure to tune in every Thursday to hear their stories on Morning the Murdered podcast. Wells County is in North Dakota in the United States. It has a population of just over 4,000. This county was created by the Dakota Territory Legislature in 1873 and was originally called Gingras County. Wells County is named for Edward Wells, a banker and member of legislature. This county has a historical society that expresses their pride in the past and their excitement for the future. Their museum has a variety of exhibits. The main building displays dollhouses, blacksmith shops, spinning wheels, weapons, and much more. The Pony Gulch County School is also available to tour. The Wells County Fair was listed on the National Registry of Historic Places in 1991. It lists 18 contributing buildings. Contributing buildings are any building that adds to the historical integrity and makes it significant. This is a gathering place for people, usually in June. Locals love to go there and enjoy fairground foods and hang out with friends and family. Gunner thought he had good friends. He had a girlfriend. He was an outgoing, personable young man who enjoyed riding his motorcycle or his dad's. Pamela, his mother, shares her story today about the devastation that followed after her initial visit from a police officer at her home, telling her that her precious son was dead following a motorcycle accident. That, however, was completely untrue. Yes, Gunner was deceased, but not in an accident. Pamela was later told he had killed himself. She knew this could not be true either, even though it was being said. Her vivacious son, who loved life, would never harm himself. And then finally, she was told part of the truth, that her son was murdered. Bob is with us today as well, Gunner's dad. He came into his life when he was only one year old and helped raise him and guide him. Gunner was riding Bob's Harley that day. His dad had gladly lent it to him, knowing his was not available to be ridden. Hello? Hi, it's Kelly calling from Morning the Murdered podcast. Hi, Kelly. So I do have um, I do have his dad Bob on the line here with me. Uh, if I break down, he he can speak for me. Absolutely. Hi, Hi Bob. Hi. Pamela had great difficulty carrying a child to term. She so desperately wanted to be a mother that her many miscarriages, although difficult and sad, 
did not deter her from continuing to try to have a baby. She finally did. Her miracle child, as she calls him. And Gunnar was born. Pamela admits how she and Bob spoiled him throughout his life, their only child who could do no wrong in their eyes. They loved him, encouraged him to try new things, and spent their lives enjoying watching this young child grow into a man, a friend. Pamela and Bob each had a very close and special relationship with their son. He was a happy child, one of those children that was a pleasure to be around, someone that filled the room with joy and kindness. Tell me what Gunner was like as a baby and as a child. What did he like to do? Oh, Lord, he was a perfect baby. Um, he was so smart. He could not stand to get his hands dirty. I thought something was wrong with my child. Other kids were out making mud pies, and he couldn't stand to get his hands dirty. That's but, adorable. Uh, he, he was a fun-loving, you know, he never had the terrible twos. He never, he, he was just nothing but a blessing um, to me and, and was a good, very good kid. He was in quite a few sports at a young age. You know, when he was older, not so much, but when he was little, goodness, he was in the gymnastics, taekwondo, wrestling. Um, he, yes, loved music. Uh, if, if you could catch him singing in the shower, he was a really good singer, but if he tried, he wasn't so great. <laughs> but uh, he loved to drive. Anything... It would go fast, and I know the first time I bought him a four-wheeler, um, the following day I caught him jumping the driveway doing Supermans and can-cans. <laughs> oh, boy. Terrified. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he was really, you know, a rel- well-rounded young guy. He liked sports and music, and he enjoyed also being a bit of a daredevil. Yeah, that he definitely was... Um, not something I'm proud of, but sadly, he was pretty proud of it. Um, just a few months before he was killed, he uh, he was driving at a very fast speed on his crotch rocket motorcycle. And rather than pulling over when the cop was behind him, he decided to just keep going. And, um, oh gosh, I, it's not something I'm proud of as a mom, but he was actually... Um, got the record for high speed in, in the state. This motorcycle he got when he was probably first one I bought him was he was about 25, 24. He did have um, I he had he was I think nine um, he had a dirt bike and then um, oh goodness he was a young teen and I bought him one of those little pocket rockets um, like a miniature cross rocket thing, but his first real motorcycle that that was the one Dad bought him and ended up with more than one. So he really liked yeah. he liked motorcycles. Oh yeah, when he was young, he wanted to be the motocross champion of the world. And Dad, do you have a motorcycle as well? I do. That's the one he put down on 
The day he died, he was driving my Harley. He told me one day when he was on his bike, he says, the only time I see feel free, Dad, is when I'm on my bike. I remember when he was a youngster, he'd always want to go with me. No matter where I went, if I had to go to the Target to pick up a part for the house to fix something, make a quick trip to Target and get something, it'd be like, I want to go with, I want to go with. I said, no, you just stay with Mom. I'll be right back. <laughs> no, I want to go, I want to go. So he'd always end up going with Pops. Well, you spoiled him rotten, but that's okay, so did I. Gunner was the sunshine that filled both of their days. Pamela and Bob wanted nothing but the best for him. About a year before tragedy struck this family, Gunner was working as a bouncer. He was big and strong. He was able to do crowd control and calm people down in potentially aggressive situations. He knew how to take care of himself. Gunner left this job and decided he preferred working with his hands. Building electric bicycles, working on motorcycles, doing manual labor for people at their homes. He worked for months at a time on projects. Gunner was someone that made decisions that made him happy. He knew how to self-care and follow his passions. He would have continued to follow these passions and no one will ever know what his life would have been like. Would he have married? Would he have had children? What career path would he have settled into? No one will ever know, because someone, and probably several people, decided to take his life for unknown reasons on that fateful day just over six months ago. This strong young man, in the prime of his life, would have fought for it had he had the chance. And now, this loving mother and father will never know who he would have become. This is the story of Gunnar Syverson's murder. So tell me about the tragic day that you found out about your son's murder. Uh, I had gotten a text message. Well, my son was in my not with Bob, and I'm in Jamestown, but he was here quite a bit. But I had gotten a text message from my sister asking me if there, she said, I hope Gunn's okay. And I, you know, I had messaged back, well, why? And she said that she'd heard that he rolled the Harley. Um, of course, I slipped out and she said that he had heard, she heard that he got up and walked away. You know, so we knew he was, you know, he, he got up and walked away. <laughs> um, but I tried, and Bob tried, you know, to no avail for hours to reach him, and, and we had no luck. And um, it was about 11.30 that night. I had a cop come to my door, and I, you know, they know my son because of his driving antics, and he, he had been in some trouble, you know, in his in his later years. And just as I was, because I was thinking maybe he had hit a sign or something and, you know, took off or, you know, Something along those lines, and as as I was saying, yeah, I know, I know, you know, he he, uh, you know, tipped the bike, but he got up and walked away. But as I was saying, and he got up and walked away, the cop said, "Yes," and he's died. And um, my legs went out from underneath me. You know, I 
I didn't believe what I just heard, and I remember screaming. Um, I have a ramp outside my home instead of stairs, and the officer kind of helped drag me into the house, and I I couldn't speak. I I had to dial the number to call Bob, and I couldn't even talk. And I don't know, what did he say to you? He told me that, well, he did not say anything to me. The minute that you gave him the phone, I knew that gunner had passed. Why would a Jamestown police officer be at your house and you'd be, why would you be hysterical unless something that tragic had happened? You know, it's like the soul, the soul was just ripped out of me because he was everything to me. And um, so I thought that he had, he had died, you know, due to this motorcycle wreck and you know, we took some comfort in at that time, knowing that he died, you know, because of what he loved doing the most. Pamela opened the door and heard this absolutely incomprehensible news outside of her home from a police officer. Gunner, dead. Her mother's heart crumbling into tiny fragments that will never be repaired. Pamela knowing that her welcome of Gunner into this world with a simple smile all those years ago on the day he was born, her miracle baby, will now turn into a mournful goodbye. After being brought back into her home by the police, with her head spinning, she calls Gunner's father Bob. Her heartfelt sobs echoing in the phone and Bob on the other end of this tragic phone call knows the news before the words are spoken. People begin to arrive at the house, slowly streaming in to pay their respects to this mother, Gunner's mother. Someone tells her a friend of Gunner's was with him, was there when he went down on his bike. She is encouraged to call this friend and perhaps she will get some more information about the accident. Reeling from what she already knows as truth, that Gunner had a bike accident, Pamela and Bob believe that Gunner likely had a brain bleed from the accident and this is what killed him. They were about to find out, but they were so misinformed. So we'll call this guy, he was there and so I called, and the guy that I talked to on the phone, who is one of the, the suspects, uh, he told me that Gunner had hung himself. So now I'm, I'm, I'm more confused. I had a cop here. You know, he was in a motorcycle accident, and he's dead, and now I got this kid telling me he hung himself. And I, I was in disbelief. I mean, my son wouldn't, he, he wouldn't do that. But, uh, that's what we were led to believe. This poor mother hearing now that her son had actually killed himself? This is so hard to comprehend, isn't it? The police come and knock on Pamela's door and tell her that her son was in a fatal motorcycle accident. Only for her to call someone that was there with him, seeking answers, information. That person is now a suspect in Gunner's murder, by the way. And then she had to hear something completely different? During the most difficult time in this mother's life, a time she should be able to quietly grieve for her son, 
reliving the joyful memories that she has, surrounding herself with loved ones. She is being told things that are just so baffling. Two nights later, when a BCI bureau of a criminal investigation agent and the Wells County Sheriff was at my door, and um, at that time, they, you know, they had told us that they weren't allowed to use the word murder, you know, until they're 110%, but the agent told us it was a, a BS hanging. And, um, yeah, you know, and, he, he had been, you know, basically, he had been murdered. Oh, my goodness. That they is. also told us that when he put the motorcycle down, he did not suffer any injuries. No, no like injuries. the baby injuries, no. He had a little patch of road rash in the middle of his back, and that was it. Gunner was found with a rope around his neck. Someone had tied the rope around his neck after he had been murdered, strangled to death. They then proceeded to tie the rope around what some may call a tree, but is more of a shrub, the trunk being no more than three inches in diameter, while the branches are barely that, more like twigs, not even an inch in diameter. And this is to have been where a man hung himself from a twig. So this mother, in the space of a few days, has to hear three versions of events. None of them anything a mother wants to hear. But now Pamela is dealing with a horrendous reality. The gunner was murdered. But there was a rumor that had circulated that he was chased. And then he was ran off the road twice before he had wrecked. And so, um, you know, after after the dad, BCI did, did say that the highway patrol said that there was marks of a bike going down and up the ditch twice before he had tipped. So I, I do believe that, that, that that is how they meant for him to die. We want the word out there. You know, there's there's murderers walking around and until they're 110% until there's no holes in their case, you know, they're not going to put up murder charge, but they, uh, they do now say, yes, it is an ongoing homicide investigation. So, you know, they're, they're 110% there, but the justice just can't come soon enough. You know, it's, um, they say that time, time heals and, and in time things will get better and, Every day it's worse. Every single day it's worse. Pamela would like more contact with the police. She has family in law enforcement and they all say the DCI she has working on Gunner's case is as good as they get. So she believes them. However, she would like to hear from him more. A text. A phone call. He has to always remember that this is her son they are speaking about, dead, murdered, at the hands of a person or persons that are still walking the streets. After following up with the DCI and asking questions about why no one has any information, it has been explained to Pamela the procedure for pursuing criminals. Pamela never had any cause to begin to understand how a case would be pursued. 
She is simply a mother, swallowed up by the anguish she feels. They, they have to question every single person that comes in on a tip. So, it, this, it, you know, it, it could take many, many, many more months. I, I, think, I think he had said at one point they had like 250 people yet to interview, and I, I couldn't figure that out. Like, why? How, how so many people? There were four adults and a three-year-old there at the time of his death that we know of, and we know of another adult that had shown up while he was on the ground and everybody was standing around him doing nothing. Um, so I'm thinking why 250 people, but again, family and law enforcement had, had said they have to question everybody. But uh, he had um, ligature marks on his neck that would match up even with a hand. So it was a, a staged hanging, you know, then he had petechia in one eye as well. You know, that would come from asphyxiation. Mom and I were most upset because his girlfriend did not call either one of us when this happened. We live about an hour from where this happened. Both of us could have been there within the hour. And the BCI agent said, well, we wouldn't have let you see him even if you'd been there. Because you could he knew that something wasn't right, and at that point, like hugging our son, you know, could could bring trouble. Like in court, where they they could say, "Well, you know, they they could have put those marks on him when they hugged him," or you know, it, it's they right. took him and and chopped him up in an autopsy. You know, it was days before I could actually even see him. From the moment I heard, I just wanted to go to him. You know, I, I, I needed to go to him. It took everything I had when I had to leave. The people at the scene included Gunner's girlfriend and her daughter. And no one called Pamela or Bob, Gunner's mother and father, who would have been there as quickly as possible to be at their son's side, mourning his loss, weeping tears of despair. Incredibly, not even Gunner's girlfriend thought to contact either of them. How terrible. Did any of the witnesses at the scene know what happened? We believe that they, they all know what happened to him. And... It had to have been more than one of them. And his girlfriend was one of those people. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. My son was very strong. And there was no defensive marks. You know, it, 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 it took more than one to subdue him. Right. And I believe everybody knew what happened. It took more than one. He was very, very strong. Yes. And smart. You know, he had a, he had an IQ, a one. 47. If he was going to hang himself, he'd have done it in a tree. When the DCI was explaining the scene to them, he said the branch was as thick as his thumb. This branch that Gunner had been left tied to in a lame attempt to cover up his murder, an attempt to show suicide. However, it was immediately clear that this was not a suicide. 
why do you think his girlfriend didn't call? Her story changes constantly. And her best friend and another guy, you know, they fled to Texas. Um, it, 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 I don't care anymore. She thinks that I, that I, I'm not, I'm not pretending anymore. I, I want his story out there. I want this to come to an end. I want justice for my son. Pamela is desperate for answers. All she wants is for those that know something, anything, to come forward and speak up. You can do it anonymously. Allow her to know what happened to the son she so desperately misses. Even good people do terrible things under the influence of drugs. So imagine what evil people can do under the influence of drugs. Well, we've been told by law enforcement that meth and heroin is, are the drugs of choice amongst those, those individuals. The young woman was in my home twice with her daughter and my son. And I treated them as family. Um, we talked on the phone. We messaged back and forth. And it's like, okay, if something happened, to, if, God forbid, the, the page was reversed somewhere, something, uh, her daughter was in my custody and something happened to her daughter, she'd be the first person I called. She video, she video messaged uh my nephew, Gunner's cousin, and that's that's how my sister found out that he had tipped the Harley. But the timing, I think he was already gone um, because they said that it was at least forty-five minutes to an hour that he laid there before nine-one-one was called. She had six years of CNA experience under her belt, and she didn't even get down to attempt CPR. And we got no response from anybody. I texted two of their friend, two of his friends that I knew of in the area, and I texted my son, asking him if he was okay because I needed to speak to him right away. As soon as we found out that he put the bike down, and I said I don't care about the bike. Figured maybe he was embarrassed or whatever, upset that he put down Pops' bike and didn't want to talk to me. And it's like, no, I don't care about the bike, son. I just need to know you're okay. And when 911 was called, they, they gave his name, his age, that he was found unconscious, and that he's probably positive for COVID. That's what they said. Nothing about hanging or any anything. Or a motorcycle accident or anything, yeah. No. Just found unconscious. Name age probably positive for COVID. So I think they were gonna try to blame it on COVID for a minute. And was he positive for COVID? No. <laughs> no. This was just some weird thing they said? Yeah. I don't know if they thought they could blame it on that or, or I don't know. And who called the 911 in the end? The girlfriend. The original text that Pamela received from her sister was received six minutes before an ambulance was ever called. And finally, 
when telephone tag was happening as more and more people were being informed of what was happening. Well, to some degree, only that there had been a bike accident. It was Gunner's phone that was used to call 911. And in this call, there was never any mention that Gunner was found hanging from a tree. I can tell you with all honesty that had I found someone hanging from a tree, the screams going into that 911 call that I would be making would surely be saying that, as I am sure most rational people would have done. Pamela now sits and waits. She is constantly waiting for new information. Any information. She understands now why it is taking so long, the procedures that must be followed, the protocols, the endless interviews to gain facts, and the investigation in general. Nevertheless, she hasn't heard from the DCI since January 13th. That was five weeks as of this recording. I believe that is an unreasonable amount of time for anyone to be asked to silently wait for answers or simply updates on their child's murder investigation. One that is so recent, so raw. Pamela and Bob are adamant that they do not want to damage the case in any way, shape or form. However, people need to know that murderers are walking free. There are many things they cannot speak of and so they don't. Information they are keeping close to the vest. They know it is very important that the police do their job in the proper order so they are able to get answers. But mom and dad are frustrated. Pamela merely wants to be kept in the know on the things that can be shared to show her that there is an investigation going on. Tell me about the Justice for Gunner page. I, I did that um, one night. You know, I couldn't sleep and I just, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I was hoping that you know, it would maybe put some pressure on somebody. To, to come forward. I was um, hoping that anybody who had heard anything, you know, would reach out. And we've got an overabundance of that. I mean, we have so many people reaching out. And um, it's, it's unbelievable how many people, not even just across the states, but, I mean, Ireland, Australia, I mean, people from so many places, they just reach out with prayer. And, um, I, I really need that. Gunner worked as a bouncer a while before he died, about a year. He was a strong young man who died with no defensive wounds. It seems clear enough that he was murdered by more than one person. He was first chased on his motorcycle and went off the road twice and finally went down on his bike. It seems this was how he was meant to be killed is supposed to make it look like an accident. Gunner was an excellent rider and was able to avoid crashing at first and finally when he did go down he only scraped up his back able to still keep control of his dad's bike even under these extremely difficult conditions. Gunner was strangled. He died. Finally his body was staged as though he had hung himself. 
what struggles are you going through that maybe other listeners that are going through a tragic, you know, time as well? Is there something that you can give them as advice on how you get through each day? You know, I, um, I don't really know how I get through each day, to be honest with you. Um, people say, you know, take it one day at a time and I can't take it one day at a time at this point. I, I take it one breath at a time. Um, you know, I have sisters with with families, but I, you know, I, I have no immediate family, uh, anymore. I consider Bob family and Gunner's, Gunner's friends that call me mom and their kids call me grandma. Honestly, I think I have to give credit to them because without them, I, I don't know how I would get through each day. You know, I'm never going to have a grandchild. Um, you know, blood. Um, I talk to God a lot. I scream at him a lot. I apologize a lot. I, <laughs> you know, there was a, a gal that reached out in in Messenger, and you know, she had stated that she had had a lot of medical problems, and she didn't want to deal with them anymore. And she had plans to to take her life. And um, she said she thought of me and. And she thought about how strong I am, which, believe me, I don't feel very strong. <laughs> and she said, if I can get through what I'm going through, it, she can get through anything. And she chose to live. And uh, I guess I, I think about that a lot. And I I really wish I could, I, I'd like to thank her because this is, Sabi as I am, you know, she she's made me stronger without even realizing it. That's how I get by right now. Well, that's that's good. And tell me a little bit about his friends that still are in touch with you. You still they still reach out to you now. Yes, one of them right here actually oh. right now. But um, he, you know, he's he's got a handful of friends that have kind of always called me mom. And, um, so they're like my bonus kids <laughs> and then I get I get their kids as my grandbabies so you know kids call me nana and the other ones call me mom and they have no idea how much it means to me just to, just when they say I love you mom so mm-hmm. it just means everything to me to who my son was for yeah. those of you that have information, go on Facebook, Justice for Gunner, or you can call DCI's tip line number. It's 1-800-472-2185. And there is a $25,000 reward for information leading to the conviction, arrest and conviction of those responsible. Pamela is trying so hard to keep up the faith and her strength. She is justifiably angry at how she was kept in the dark and told tales when her son first was murdered. She vows to never stop fighting. Pamela's hard work and dedication to find the people that murdered her son shows to her love of Gunner. 
that she will not lay down and quietly await justice is a testament to the commitment she always showed him as the mother that adored her son, Gunner. I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. You um, you made it not as scary as I was expecting. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad. Thank you for keeping my son's story out there in the public eye. Oh, you're most welcome. Nothing will bring our son back. But we need to get these murderers off the streets. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you. You take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank everyone for being here this week. I have been getting such amazing feedback from the families that tell their stories here. This is all thanks to you, our listeners. I greatly appreciate your support and dedication to Mourning the Murdered. While producing the podcast, I need many tools to be able to bring you quality content each week. I now have an affiliate link with Amazon. And by simply clicking on the link before you make your Amazon purchases, you are helping to support my podcast. Once you click on the link, you will be redirected to your Amazon page, ordering as you normally would. There are no extra costs and no fees. Just go to my website, morningthemurderedpodcast.com, and click on the affiliate link. You can also, as always, support the podcast by sending a one-time PayPal contribution, or through Patreon, you can donate as little as $1 a month. All of the links can be found on morningthemurderedpodcast.com. So your help is only one click away. I'm not quite sure how people move on after a tragedy. There are support groups online and face-to-face, and there are books and family and friends to lean on. But in reality, when someone loses a loved one to murder, they lose a piece of themselves that can never be returned. Memories are all that are left. So talk about your loved one. And let the world know how important they will be to you forever. These memories become valuable treasures. No one will ever understand your pain. But surround yourself with those that can understand how important it is for you to share your story. I will now light a candle for the victim and their loved ones, ensuring their memory lives on and burns brightly. You are remembered. I want to take a moment and extend my most sincere and humble gratitude to each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, or if you would like your voice to be heard on Morning the Murdered and tell the story of your loved one, email me at morningthemurdered at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-T-H-E M-U-R-D-E-R-E-D at gmail.com Thank you to Dennis for editing this podcast. You are absolutely indispensable. Thank you so much. A huge shout out to Patrick for creating the original music that you hear. And the artwork for this podcast 
was created by Talia with support from Matt and Mick. Thanks so much, guys.